This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, To confess is to free oneself, not only by admitting a sin or an omission, but to profess a deeper allegiance, a greater dedication to something beyond the mere threat of immediate punishment or the desolation of being shunned. To confess is to declare oneself ready for a more courageous road, one in which a previously defended identity might not only be shorn away, but be seen to be irrelevant, a distraction, a working delusion that kept us busy over the years and held us unaccountable to the real question. End quote. If you've been following along, you know that this is the fourth of a five-part series on poet and author David White's book, Consolations. Today, our topic is confession. And no, not the Catholic practice of confession, though I suppose the Catholic practice of confession does sort of meet the definition that David defines here. What we're talking about here is confession more broadly. We've talked about, on this series so far, courage, anger, and love. Confession is something that at least in my observation, we simply don't do enough of. Almost any of us. Ever. So perhaps we should step back a little bit and ask ourselves, when is confession warranted? Well, David says that a sin or an omission is a good opportunity or a good reason to confess, and I would agree with that. Sin starts to get into the more of the the biblical definition, which is, again, not what we're trying to get after here, but sin in the more general sense of a sin against someone, doing something wrong against someone, or an omission. So this can be, perhaps more accurately put, a commission of an offense or an omission of something that should have been done but was not. And of course, if you think through your daily life, this happens a lot. We all do this on a daily basis, and probably to a very modest degree. Most of our sins or omissions, our commissions or omissions, are very, very small and inconsequential, at least to us, and probably to most people. And we can't always be right in everything that we do. But the odd thing is, is that when we're wrong, we tend to hide what we did. I don't know about you, but when I make a mistake, my first thought, and it's sometimes the one that I go with and sometimes not, but the first thought that pops into my mind is, oh, I hope nobody noticed that. Oh, I hope nobody holds me accountable for that. And that sounds terrible, but it is, in theory, from a biological perspective, the path of least resistance. Right? Especially in today's day and age where credibility and image is everything. Now, image is something that's relatively new, but credibility is something that has always been important to the functioning of society. Your credibility is what allows you to function in the world. Consider, your credibility is part of how you get a job. The fact that when you submit a resume, your future employer has reason to suspect that that is a truthful document. It's not a legal document, at least not as far as I know, but your credibility as a producer of that document is part of what gets you the job. The interview process to get a job is you talking about why you should be given that job, what qualifications you bring to the table. Now, you can certainly lie through your interview process and your resume. You can fake it all. But then when you start and are challenged to do things that are beyond your scope, 
your credibility quickly comes into question. That's hardly a way to live life. And that's but one example of how important credibility is. And it's always been that way. Image is a relatively new thing. And this is a direct result of the fact that we're so very connected these days. Consider that it wasn't that long ago that in order for word to spread from person to person, it had to be carried via word of mouth over what we would consider today to be laughably short distances, but back then were relatively long distances. I'm talking about Little House on the Prairie style conversations. If you've ever seen any of those shows or you've ever watched, if you've ever seen the movie Little Women or read the book Little Women, any of that uh, era, right? We're talking 1800s in the United States. Information was spread when people would go to the local town to go to the saloon or go to the market or go to the store or the shop or the feedlot or wherever. And they would hear from somebody else something that had happened. Now, sure, there were newspapers, and yes, eventually there were telegraphs, which allowed information to carry much, much longer distances. But we are far more connected today than they ever would have dreamt of being. Consider that international news at the time was probably something that most of the folks that lived on the, quote, prairie in Little House on the Prairie never even considered. And why would they? But today, you can hear about the latest economic crisis in country X, or the latest tribal dispute in country Y or the latest stock market excitement somewhere else, in the blink of an eye. And there are people who, entire industries have been built around that. It's all about an image. And just consider that the, the big names in society, the big names playing this image game, go through immense contortions to avoid having to confess wrongs. Look at how many people hedge and say, I'm being taken out of context, etc., etc., in fact, recently I heard a, a very good episode of a podcast, and I, of course I can't remember the podcast or the name of the episode, but it was about how to apologize. And you should certainly look it up because it's very interesting. It's how to craft an apology. And I think it looks at two different apologies that were given, two high-profile apologies, and how one was excellent and well-received by the public and one was not. Now, confession and apologizing... Asking for forgiveness and confession, those are, those are all slightly different things, but they are related, so they're worth considering together. But let's assume that you know that you screwed something up, and assume that you recognize the need to confess that thing. For example, the other day I made an offhand comment to my wife, and it was not the most well-thought-out point that I've ever made, and she brought it up to me later that it hurt her feelings. And. I could have just let time cover it up and hope that she would just get over it and move on. But instead, I chose to take the path of admitting that I was wrong, admitting that I had said something that I didn't mean and that was not well thought out. I said it haphazardly and absentmindedly and that I didn't mean that and that I was very appreciative of her in a lot of other ways that I didn't express in that comment. Now, that's not to give myself a pat on the back, but consider what that takes. And I'm using myself as an example because I'm the best example I know. But there is a, going back to the very first episode in this series, there's a courageous part of that. And again, this is not a pat on the back to say, look how courageous Matt is. This is being courageous in recognizing the need or the desire to be better than you were in that moment where you made that sin of commission or omission. So I committed a wrong against my wife. Some people may consider it to be minor, an absent-minded comment. But to me and to her, it mattered. So 
David talks about in the quote, shedding the old self, putting aside the old self and embracing the new, which is, as you know, as a part of this podcast, extremely valuable. Growth and improvement and being better for us might just be a simple confession away. So let me read the quote once more, and we'll dive into it just a bit deeper. Here's the quote. Quote, To confess is to free oneself, not only by admitting a sin or an omission, but to profess a deeper allegiance, a greater dedication to something beyond the mere threat of immediate punishment or the desolation of being shunned. To confess is to declare oneself ready for a more courageous road, one in which a previously defended identity might not only be shorn away, but be seen to be irrelevant, a distraction, a working delusion that kept us busy over the years and held us unaccountable to the real question, end quote. And there's a freedom in confession. There's a reason that it is part of a religious practice like Catholicism. There's a freeing aspect to it. You are burdened by something, something you did wrong, something you fell short of the mark on. And by confessing it, you can begin the process of moving forward. And like many things in life, this actually gets easier the more you do it. Now, there's something scary baked into this quote that we need to consider as well, and that is the very last part of it. The last part of the quote implies something that can be frightening. In confessing, we shed our old self. We reject, in a way, who we were. We say, I no longer wish to be that person because if I did, I would just continue along the same path. The fact that I have identified a sin of omission or commission that is worthy of confession is a rejection of the individual, the self, that perpetrated that sin of omission or commission. The new self, seeing the old as irrelevant or a distraction, or as David refers to it, a working delusion, which is a great term, I love that term, is admirable but frightening because of exactly what I talked about before. When image is everything, both to the exterior world and therefore the implication is that it's also important to you internally, the fact that you are rejecting an image of yourself through the act of confessing, even a small rejection, can be frightening and something that we don't necessarily want to lean into. So how do I know when I confess that I'll be better on the other side? Well, listener, I don't know. We don't know. But what I can tell you with near certainty is that self-awareness and conscious pursuit of improvement rarely fail us. Rarely when we are looking to be better and pursuing improvement in ourselves does what comes out the other side tend to be worse than what we started with. So what do you, this week, need to confess? And to whom? If you don't like the word confession, apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Again, not all the same thing, but related. Whatever words you prefer. What sin of omission or commission have you committed? And to whom? It is to that person that you need to confess. But perhaps, maybe that's just the minimum dose. Maybe more is better. Maybe you said something to someone in a group setting that you're not proud of. Almost certainly, you need to confess to that person that what you said was wrong. But perhaps confessing to that entire group that what you said about that one person in that group setting was wrong is more powerful. I bet it is. And with a broader audience comes a more deliberate shedding of the old self. Because now you have a number of people who are willing to help keep you accountable to not be that former self again. So join me next week as we explore the last in this five-part series on David White's Consolations. 
It's a great quote. There's a reason I held it for last, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.